0: Welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where, like the 998th Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, we know nothing. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy From Afar, and with me as always is my co-host, Chuck Bailey. Hi Chuck. We're gonna win the cup! We're gonna win the cup!
1: (laughs) We're gonna win the
0: cup! Fever! And with us on the (laughs) other line, he's still recovering from being attacked by a swarm of Russian mosquitoes, it's Super Producer Ian Stimson.
2: How we doing? You good?
0: I'm good, yeah. Do you have those mosquito bites taken care of? Or?
2: Yeah, that, that looked pretty grim, didn't it?
0: That was disgusting, yep. For those of you that have no <laughs> idea what we're talking about, the England match was completely overtaken by a giant swarm of mosquitoes, which looked quite disgusting.
1: Yeah. Why does this happen at yeah. major tournaments? This happened in uh, France as well with moths, didn't it? Like, oh yeah. there was, There's a game where, who, who was it? Was it Ronaldo where like a moth landed on his nose or something like that?
2: Yeah, it's like a two-foot wingspan or something.
1: <laughs> yeah. Join us in Qatar for a plague
0: of locusts. <laughs> if that's the worst thing that happens in Qatar, then I think we'll make out all right. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Yeah. Biblical. Uh, I figured we would start off with what you guys are dying to talk about, I'm sure. The England match.
1: Um,
2: oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so
1: you guys to are going to win the Cup, huh? Going to win the Cup. I said it before. Well, we're going to win the group. I told you that already. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was just the textbook England performance, wasn't it? Of you know, I, I watched bits of the game live because uh, I was working. And then I watched the 90 minutes uh, this morning, uh, the full game. And even knowing the result and knowing what was going to happen, it still put me through the mill. And it just was absolutely mental and sitting there at the end thinking, yes, come on, England. Um, yeah, it's just that win you need to get the hopes up, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah.
2: it's a, All that's important is the three points. Who cares about how it came about?
1: Yeah, who cares about all the wasted chances? Who cares about all of that and Kane getting rugby tackled? Who cares about how
2: it came about?
0: Yes. Well, we are a soccer analysis podcast, so maybe we should care a little bit and oh, talk about it. Okay. No, yeah. I'm going to yeah. be very much
1: like Billich <laughs> in this situation and just be like, I don't, I don't care. Shut it down. Shut um, it down.
0: So realistically, how how high are you guys on the team?
1: Um. I think that, you know what, watching the game, it's a different kind of England, uh, which is good. Like playing out from the back in in something that we've never seen really before um, working that well. Maybe a little bit in 98, um, I remember. But no, playing with a lot more pace, obviously so much of a younger team. Uh, As we said last time out, uh, no real talisman player that has to be forced in there um no one that will play no matter what obviously Kane now is you know dead cert on um but I am quite excited about the different options we can have you know for for the different games coming up I think Panama will be a very similar game to uh the Tunisia game um especially as obviously for Panama if they lose they'd be out of the competition um and then it's just the small matter of dealing with Belgium at the end which you'd assume I I think we can win it um I, I stick by what I said before. I think England can win the group. Um, knockout football, obviously, is a different, a different kettle of fish. But it's very good to get off to a win, you know. Haven't seen England win in a World Cup since 2012. So 2012? What am I talking about? What year is it now? 2010. There we are. <laughs> do you want to take Numbers. that again, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, I don't want to do that again. We'll leave that in. Um, yeah, I don't know what you thought, Ian? Uh, from an England perspective, how
2: were you heartened by it? Look, you asked me at 88 minutes, you asked me at 92, and I'm saying vastly different things, aren't I? <laughs> but, I mean, they gave us very little space to move. Rashford and Loftus-Cheek were great when they came on. Yep. Mm. Really yeah. Really good. I think they've probably played themselves into the team for Panama.
0: Ruben!
2: Can... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can drop Ali if you don't need to play him which i don't think you need to so let i don't really know why he was starting to be honest so but yeah i mean it was ultimately it was positive because we did what we had to do against a team that didn't really want to play us so no yeah. no exactly that like you said the,
1: the last 45 minutes and i think that was exactly it like once they got that penalty and put that away and then they got to half time um the game was an absolute shitter like Tunisia didn't want to play the ball. They wanted to go down for every foul. That referee wanted to blow for every bit of contact. Just like, like if they do have four refs sitting there in full kit, which is hilarious, by the way, the fact that they all sit there watching <laughs> it's the really TV, <laughs> all in yeah. fucking full kit. Um, If you've got those guys there that can watch a replay and not give a penalty for someone rugby tackling someone to the ground, not once, but twice, it's a bit strange.
0: Yeah, I think the only performance that was worse than the referee in that match was Tunisia themselves. Um, If you look at all of the matches that have been played so far, and we're recording this right as the second round kicks off with Russia-Egypt, Tunisia created the least XG from open play of anybody. They were actually even worse than Saudi Arabia. Which is that is right? Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Their rough That's XG the sum, according to um, Kayla Graphics, which if you guys aren't following Kayla Graphics on Twitter, you definitely should be, um, mm-hmm. was 0.1. 0.1. Oh, wow, That's Jesus. That's one of the lowest that like I can remember seeing, not just at the World Cup, but in the years that I've been following Kayla Graphics. Like, and England created 3.1 XG from open play. Like all those chances Oscar, that can we... you
2: quickly quickly explain what XG is to people?
0: Sure, absolutely, yeah. Um, I'm a big stats so... because
2: we're fantasy footballers, so we know what XG is, but do we? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you yeah, quickly explain uh, just, to Chuck what XG uh, is?
1: Just just for the audience and our new fans uh, all around the world, Oscar, please just uh, explain what XG means.
0: Absolutely. So I think XG really captures something that football fans understand intuitively which is that not all shots are created equal um and so what it does is it's a way of statistically measuring essentially the quality of the chance that happens when a team shoots so it takes into account a lot of different variables like how close you are to the goal which is obviously the biggest one um, but also where the defense is did it come from a counterattack? what type of pass happened before the shot. So like a cross is harder to score off of than a through ball where you're one-on-one with the keeper and all that sort of stuff. And so a good example would be, let's say, uh, Coutinho playing for Liverpool takes a shot from Mm -hmm. 35 yards out. You know, the the defense is set up nicely. It doesn't come from a counter attack, So everybody knows exactly where they are. That's got like a 3% chance of going in. And so when you add that towards the XG of the match, that gets 003 of a goal, right? Because it's a 3% chance. Yeah. Whereas something like a header inside the box, no defense, that's going to get like a 0. 0.4. And so, you know, 40% of the time, that shot would be expected to go in when you look at all the historical data. Um, so when you look at all of England's chances in the Tunisia match, they had so many shots inside the box, and not just inside the box, but inside oh, the... Jesus. The really, really, like, <laughs> right on the goal. And so even yeah, though Jesse Lingard yeah. wasted them... Um, you know they created 3.1. So on average, if this game got played a million times and those chances were the chances they got created, they should have scored three goals, right? Tunisia did yeah. 0. 0.1. That is dog shit, absolute dog shit. <laughs> and
1: that's sorry, the 0. 0.1 is for the whole game. For the whole game, yeah. Oh fuck! That's I insane. didn't realize. I, I thought mean, you were saying so... like the second half. Uh, and no, they no, got no. One?
0: <laughs> and um, well, XG doesn't take into account penalties because doesn't take penalties into account. Yeah, yeah. yeah so nice. it's, only uh, open play goals. Um, corner kicks count.
2: Okay. But
0: So they got 0.1 plus the penalty, and the penalty is clearly where the one came from.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, gotcha.
0: They were insane to start off the match. For the first, like, 20 minutes or so, I think they got overexcited by Mexico's performance the day before. And they were like, oh, we're going to do a high press and play the offside trap and a high line. We, go, we got this, guys. We're going to beat England. Like, this is our day. <laughs> right. And just chance after chance after chance, that speedy front line of England that we talked about was just getting in and cutting them apart. But there was, as you guys mentioned, a turning point, which is when they got the pen, they set up a low block, they dropped really deep, they had 11 defenders either in the box or right on the edge of the box. And after that point, England, I think, did struggle to create chances like we had mentioned. I think that the lineup, which you guys talked about, Deli Ali being in there And the central midfield having issues, I think, really made it hard once Tunisia decided to defend. And England, I don't think it's a coincidence that the goal came from a set piece, right? Because we said that against teams that want to defend, England are going to struggle to create chances. And Mm -hmm. the thing that's going to be their saving grace and what they're going to need to do is score off of set pieces and take advantage of the one or two chances that they get. Yeah. And so while, even though they won, and in a very dramatic and exciting fashion... I think if Tunisia had set up defensively from the first minute, I don't know that England wins that match because I think a lot of that 3.1 XG came very early on when they were just getting in behind over and over and over again.
1: Yeah, well, in the first 10 minutes, you know, so the goal was on, what, 11 minutes, and I think we, we'd already missed two or three edge chances by about the fourth minute, um, which is, I don't know whether you can take that as kind of a, big positive that England are creating that many chances, especially so early in games, or as a massive negative because if you can't put those chances away, then teams are going to bury you. Like, if that happens against Belgium and England don't take their chances, there's no way they can win. Um, And then further on into the knockout rounds. Um, One thing that did surprise me a bit, um, Henderson's ball playing, I thought, like his long balls and stuff, uh, playing in Trippier, uh, going in behind and stuff, I thought were a lot we were, were a lot better than I thought it would be. Um, obviously, there was a lot of talk over whether he should go or whether you should have someone in that position like John Joe Shelby because he can play that bass all day long. Um, I thought he was good. Uh, one thing that didn't surprise me was Jesse Lingard's still a prick, so still can't score. <laughs> He's got a stupid face. Jaylings, give him his proper name. No, J-Lings. I won't give him his, stu- his proper name. You can't. No, fuck off. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, I thought Harry Maguire also did really well um, in terms of creativity. And you are going to need England to create a lot of those chances. Um, I was looking at the numbers for the average shots per goal for some of the notable elite strikers in the world. Um, and Kane yep. is actually significantly worse than most other elite strikers. Everybody talks about him being the best striker in the Premier League, and he certainly had the most goals. But mm. he needs a lot of shots to get those goals. So if just pulling those names, Kane needs 6.1 shots to per goal mm. on average. And that's about even with Bobby Firmino, who's 6.0. But then you compare that to Aguero, 4.7 shots. Salah, 4.4 shots. Lewandowski, 4.0 shots. And Luis Suarez, let's say, 4.7 shots per goal.
2: Yeah, they'll all be out by the quarters, won't they, Chuck?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Fuck them all. (laughs) We're going to win it. Um, Do you want to see the same lineup going into the next match, or do you want to see some changes? I know Stimmers mentioned he wanted to see Ruben in the starting lineup.
1: Um, the thing with, with Ruben, obviously, you know, I like, I like Ruben a lot and, and the way he plays is great. And he's been amazing on loan for Palace, um, this year. And it would be such a shame if he doesn't play for Chelsea this year, or at least if he's not somewhere playing football in general. Um, but I think it's always easy for someone to look a lot better when they've come on for 10 minutes and done well. If you look at the first 10 minutes for any of those England players, you would say, oh, yeah, they, they all played yeah. really well and uh, maybe shouldn't yeah. have come off. So you you have people say, I've seen people say like, oh, Sterling and um, who else? And Ali shouldn't start the next game. And it should be uh, Rubin. And who else came on? Rashford. Um, and Rashford. But because you're judging them on a smaller period of time. So... Uh, I don't really think anything needs to change maybe if Ali um got a bit of a knock to his leg or a dead leg.
2: Yeah, that was the only thing. I don't think he should have been started. I mean, yeah. if he's if he's not fit, we shouldn't we shouldn't be risking people against Tunisia. That was all it was, uh, you know. At the same time
1: though, you've got a, with with everything on their backs if they didn't start this tournament with a win. Yeah. True. That would have been fucking diabolical, especially after yeah. the last one where it was two losses and a draw, you know, out by the second game. Um yeah, fair point. Yeah, then just a fucking shit show. Um, but any doubt, and we shouldn't risk him against Panama. I mean, yeah. we, we shouldn't need to. I don't think so, because they are going to be hard-hitting. They're going to try and stink up that game. You know, they they already were. Uh, their captain, I can't remember his name off the top of my head now. But yeah, against Belgium, especially in the first half, was just trying to stink the place out and just tackling left, right, and centre.
0: Yeah, I think I'd love to see Ruben starting um, myself, just because I think he adds that creativity. Mm. that they needed in the central midfield if panama's going to set up deep to defend from the first minute uh, cuz mm-hmm. even even belgium struggled against panama until yeah. dries, dries mertens hit that wonder strike um their their midfield looked equally uh troubled as far as creating chances and mm-hmm. they have kevin de bruyne in there so i don't i don't know what's going to happen with anyway yeah but
1: yeah but de bruyne was playing in like a back 3 it was mental we spoke about i i remember watching that first half and we spoke about de bruyne Playing the same kind of position as he was with City, but he was so deep in front of like the centre back pairings that literally when uh, Meunier and Carrasco bombed on, he was playing as a centre back. It just made fuck all sense when I was watching it so many times that De Bruyne was that far back. But anyway, but yeah, I think Loftus Cheek brings in that kind of a different kind of creativity because he's so strong, so powerful, and good on the ball that it's more of that driving forward kind of player um, that will literally take you from the halfway line, beat one man and just go straight down the middle and, and try and uh, go for the throat with a team as well, which I think could be good. Um, you know, That's why it kind of works against Tunisia and that, that can work against Panama because then you, you create the space in other ways. I think if England do a similar thing to Belgium did in the first half against Panama, which was just... Constantly passing uh, left and right, left and right, left and right, and getting nowhere. You know, Pan- Panama are happy to do that because they they're just going to sit there. They're not going to overcommit. They're not going to do anything. Um, so you need players to take people on. So I think with our front line as it is, maybe yeah, the only change I'd probably make is is Ali for Loftus Cheek potentially, or or a similar player.
0: Cool. I think that about wraps it up for England, which does mean that we can put it off no longer.
1: Let's go ahead and talk about Germany. Ah, Yay. die Mannschaft. Die Mannschaft got shafted. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely awful
0: day. Wow. Totally ruined my day. Uh, about an hour later, I found myself in a KFC parking lot eating a bucket <laughs> of fried chicken and listening to sad hipster music. So yeah. it wasn't great. I didn't actually see much of the Brazil match because I was too busy wallowing.
1: <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. Uh, again, if was... you can't tell by Oscar's accent, he is an adopted Ch- uh, Germany fan.
0: Yes. <laughs> um, die Mannschaft, as I love them.
1: Um, you love the Mannschaft. So
0: I want to hear what you think, since you're more divorced from the emotions of the match. What what happened?
1: Yeah. Um, watching it back, it was there was n- no middle of the pitch. For yep. Germany, there was there was no control in the centre, and also I've never seen, you know, and we kind of have egg on our face a little bit after after saying how ridiculously good uh, they're going to be in in our last episode. Um, but I think a lot of people will have the same problem. But I've I've never seen a Germany side so disorganised, so inefficient, and just not really knowing what to do they kept committing so many people forward and then just opening up in the middle and there was th- there was no strength there was no solidity there there was no you know cruz and Kadira just kind of went off on attacks Kimmich went up on one wing um i can't remember the name of the other player uh Pla- something like that the other uh, no- yeah i don't, I don't know, know he's back?
0: he's the understudy he's- for jonas hector who was
1: injured yeah there was that kind of, that that kind of a late injury or
0: uh Yeah, I think he just had like a knock from training. They said he should be back for the second match. I That'd think, in, cool. in retrospect, playing a 90-year-old Sammy Kadira and Tony Cruz, who has no interest in ever defending again as your mm-hmm. only two central midfielders, was probably a mistake. Um, yeah. I fully, fully blame the manager for that match. It because came think, off as
2: overconfident. It really did. Yeah, I think yeah. he
0: just got the lineup and the tactics... Exactly wrong because there was a fundamental assumption there that Mexico were going to be afraid of them and sit deep and defend. Mm. And so he played a lineup that would have been great for that situation, for a team that was playing with a lot of possession, passing it around, trying to play between lines and create chances with almost no space. Um, which is why, you know, Kadira and Cruz in that situation might be acceptable as a central midfield. Um, Mm. But the way that Mexico came out and pressed them very aggressively so that no one had any time yeah. on the ball and then looked to hit them in transition as soon as they got possession so that they didn't have time to set up their defense just destroyed Germany. They just were, Mexico they was were very, in. very
2: good. I mean, it wasn't just a case of Germany being bad. They were good. Yeah,
0: yeah Mexico were fantastic. Fully, fully deserved. Com-
2: completely contrasting
1: teams. One that, you know had this sort of arrogant game plan that they didn't really stick to and just kind of ended up going a bit free form and wayward and you had one team that was just completely set up perfectly knew exactly what they had to do knew how they were going to hurt germany and they just kept doing it like i i don't think i've ever really seen a, a team that's meant to be that good suffer so much just down the middle um yeah. you know if you look at if you look at the um, Mexico goal, so Germany are on the attack and they've got, uh, they're about 30 yards out from the Mexico goal when they when they lose possession. Now, at that point, I think they had about six players behind the ball, about six Germany players uh, on the ball. And within three passes and about eight seconds, Mexico are 30 yards out from uh, the Germany goal, charging down. And obviously, um, Oscar, if you could say his name in a lovely accent, please.
0: Chicharito.
1: oh oh, that was good, um and then yeah, so he's then playing in Lozano, who arguably you think at first takes too many touches but then manages to beat Neuer at the at his near post, but there's just no one around um and it's it's embarrassing you know I admittedly when I was younger, I never hugely played football um I went to a school where I played rugby a lot. One of the basic principles in rugby, which I assume is the same as in football, is never let your man beat you on the inside. If you force people out, 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 and they manage to beat you on the outside, then that's one thing. But if you let someone just cut straight down the middle, it's the most direct route to the goal. Like You can't let teams take that. And what was even more worrying, not just because Germany were getting it wrong, was because they saw that and didn't fucking change anything. Yeah. And it just kept happening and kept happening. you're like, how is this team, the current world champions, so fucking naive or so arrogant that they can't just go, you know what we need to do right now? Right. Let's get solid. Let's go back to what we are, be an organized unit and just take Mexico down as opposed to just keep over committing, keep over committing and nearly giving up goals left, right and center.
0: Yeah, I actually texted you right before the goal. I think it was like two minutes before the goal. I was texting you guys in the group yeah. chat. Yeah. And I said, you know, the German center backs have to keep stepping up to try to compensate for the lack of a midfield. Because there was, mm-hmm. I think, I saw the stat that Cruz and Kadira, between the two of them, had zero interceptions and one tackle in the entire match. And so Matt Hummels said this after the match in the presser. He was furious because they had no help. So him and Boateng had to keep stepping up to try to do the yeah. midfield's job, but then they're out of position and there's nobody to cover. And so mm-hmm. you just open it up completely. And of course, they got destroyed on the counter and they, you know, Mexico scored. And Mexico should yes. have scored three or four. Like it mm-hmm. shouldn't have been even yeah. close.
1: Um, no, I mean, the Hummels, uh, obviously starting with the, you know, what, the stat you just pulled for Kadira and Cruz, that you can't have two holding midfielders, essentially, where at least one of them isn't your kind of kante or 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 that kind of you know tackling interception player who is just going to go and win you the ball even if it's just to do a five-yard pass to the guy next to him who can then play the ball out um because it just gives the cover for the center backs now with hummels obviously yes he's kind of gotten a bit of stick for this because he has come out and said like oh they shouldn't have been doing this and going so far forward and not coming back if you watch for the goal once the ball kind of, once Mexico start on that counter-attack, Hummels is only just about jogging to get back. Like, mm-hmm. it really looks like he doesn't give a fuck and isn't actually fighting. So I take his point, but, you know, if he's not going to practice what he preaches and actually get back and, and, uh, and try and make a difference so that he can turn around and say to people, look, what the hell? You know, and then the one time he does that, they can see the goal and, and that was kind of all she wrote on it.
0: For the next match, I'd love to see two specific lineup changes and then also a formation change. I would mm-hmm. love to see Kadira get dropped, and put in Goretzka, who is younger, faster, better at tackling, and yep. just generally a box-to-box guy. It brings a lot even, of even
1: even Gund uh, even Gundogan.
0: Yeah, so, although he's a kind of player. He's a bit of a liability defensively too, though. So I don't know that I necessarily mm. want him. As like Goretzka just is your classic box-to-box guy who just runs around, does tackles, does passes does all the dirty work. Um, yeah. And then I'd love to see Royce starting. I know he wasn't 100% fit, um, but when he came on, he really created a lot of space out wide um, mm-hmm. on the left side, which the left side was completely lacking any attacking threat through for the first 60 minutes of that match. Um, and then also Ozil should drop deeper and play as a makeshift sort of 4-3-3 with Goretzka and Brian, Cruz, just so there's another body there. Um, and you make all those triangles in the center of the field that you need to yep. get through. Um, the good news is that I do think in the next match, they are going to have an opponent who's defending, um, like they were kind of hoping for Mexico to do. And so that might end up being a sort of one-off. Uh, Mexico caught him off guard, but now they'll be able to course correct. Um, yep. But more like in general... This is this World Cup has just been pure chaos, right? Like, it's yeah. not just Germany. It's across the board. Like, you look at, obviously, Argentina and Brazil both drew. Spain and Portugal drew. Um, mm. France barely won. Like, very barely. And I think a lot of it does go back to that central midfield. Even England, we were just talking about this. I think that there's just yeah. a lack of... Good defensive central midfielders, good box to box guys that can do the dirty work. Um, Other than Ngolo Kante, I really can't think of one that's like truly elite the way you used to have you know, you had your Gerard, you had your Essien, your Makaleli, there's just Mm -hmm. so many guys a decade ago.
1: The only person I've seen um, from the matches I've seen who's come close to that was uh, Birami for Switzerland. He was just all over the Brazilians, everywhere, and did not stop the whole game. Um, but yeah, you're right. It is that it's such an unglamorous role because you know you don't get goals, you don't get assists. Um, you you can get the blame if things go wrong, but it's such an integral part which is just forgotten about with so many teams. Just having that core, that that person there who will just protect the the, the center backs so that they don't have to to encroach up and leave space behind for, for any sort of wily strikers or, or wingers to, to nip in from behind or be susceptible for counter Yeah,
0: I think that um, in the US setup, there's uh, Michael Bradley, who plays that same position, and there's he's, his play is so divisive in terms of opinions. There's people who can't stand him because they only see him giving the ball away or trying to make long passes and failing, and then there's people like myself who ride hard for Michael Bradley because he does do all that dirty work that no one's willing to do, yeah. and I think he is the metronome in the middle of the field for them. Um, and when he does well, they win. And when he, you know, doesn't have as much support, they lose. And yeah. I think he does like really hold that team together. And it's but it's that classic, you know, I love a central mid. That's always been my favorite position, yeah. and all my favorite play. My all-time favorite player is Michael bollock And he's a perfect example of, like, a midfield general who will fly into a tackle but then can also score from deep and play passes in. And I think that's what's lacking. I mean, people are talking about these results as if they're flukes or as if, you know, these underdogs got lucky. And I think that's a bunch of horseshit. I think that all of these results are fully deserved. Like, Mexico deserved to beat Germany. I think Brazil... Absolutely deserved the draw that they got because that other team knew who to kick and how to set up their defense. Mm-hmm. Um, Iceland played like heroes and made it impossible for Argentina to get any good shots off. Yep. Actually, that um, if you look at those three matches, Argentina had 27 shots, Germany had 26, and Brazil had 21. So 74 <laughs> shots between the three teams, only two goals scored compared to Iceland, Mexico, and... Switzerland had twenty-seven shots, so a third, but yeah. scored three more goals. goals. Yeah, and the XG on those shots—we're bringing it back to XG—three point five versus three point four. So talking about those wow. results as flukes is insane because, like, those are dead even matches, and two of those yeah. were draws. And I think to to say that it's been crazy. And lucky and chaos, I think, is a disservice to the "quote-unquote" lesser teams who have done a fantastic job preparing, a fantastic job executing, playing as a unit, and just getting every last drop out of all their players and getting the results that they deserve.
1: Yep, it's as simple as that. I think I th- I think out of the th- out of all thirty-two teams, uh, I think there's only two teams that can kind of really feel aggrieved with the fact that they deserved more uh, from a game in terms of result. And I think one is Morocco, um, because obviously it was a it was an own goal right at the end. Uh, Iran, I know at least in the second half, they didn't have a single shot on target. Um, and the other one is Peru, who played out of their skin, but just didn't have the luck uh, on the day, really. Um and also, did a stutter step penalty and, and missed it, which, you know, I'm all for because I hate people that do stutter step penalties.
2: <laughs> um, why complicate things? Why complicate
1: things? Oh, I hate it. If you stop, if you stop the run up, the second any player, like my own team, even if it's Palace, I go, I hope you miss. Like, that's what you get. <laughs> Just don't. Why, why try and complicate a penalty? Yeah. Run at it, belt it in the top corner. That's yeah, it. He had one
0: of those ridiculous run ups from the halfway line where he <laughs> swerves and changes direction 14 times, stops and starts oh, like, Jesus you Christ. know what? Fuck you guy. You deserve to lose. Like,
1: yeah, exactly. Like the second, <laughs> yeah, the all, all kind of sympathy and everything goes out of, out the window. Out the window. Um, yeah.
0: I think that about wraps it up for part one. Uh, after the break, We're going to come back, look at what team maybe we've adopted um, as our second team, who might have got themselves a nice big transfer so far, and some questions from Simmers. So thanks and join us after the break.
1: Welcome back to Miles Offside Pod with me, Chuck. Oscar. Hello. And producer Ian's there clicking away, doing some magic. Always clicking, always clicking. We've started talking about the the World Cup. Obviously, the first round of games is done. Sixteen games down, forty-eight to go. One incipient at the moment. Um, is that the word? I don't know. Look it up, Ian. Can you look hey. it up, please, Jim? Nice. Um,
2: <laughs> look up made-up words. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Great. So we've obviously we've looked at um, a few, a couple of the teams that are dear to our own hearts in England and Germany, and a bit of chaos. Um, but how about teams that have kind of come out of nowhere and stolen our hearts? Oscar, well, which teams have you uh, fallen in love with over the last week?
0: Um, well, I don't know that they came out of nowhere, but I think I found myself getting angry when things went against them and celebrating I jumped out of my chair when they scored their goal. Um, was Iceland. I think yeah. they're they're just irresistible, especially to um American fans who have nothing really to root for, otherwise. um But we love a plucky. Unless underdog. they I mean, support Germany, right? Yeah, I have. I have. Some. No one else does. <laughs> um, but just watching them, I mean, we said it in the preview, but then seeing it in real time, I just forgot how endearing they are and how awesome they are to watch play as such a cohesive unit. Like they do give everything for each other. They like bleed for each other. They set it up for each other they celebrate with each other the fans are insane like that viking clap just is the coolest thing mm. i think in football right now um and so when i was watching that argentina match i thought i'd be rooting for argentina and from like a casual perspective just because leonel messi greatest player of all time all that but as i was the minutes went by the minutes went by and i was finding myself getting very invested in iceland And I think that they can make it out of the group and I think I'm going to go insane if they do because they beat Croatia in qualifying. Like they finished ahead of Croatia in their group. Mm. They were in the same qualifying group. And so I don't think it's unreasonable for them to make it out of the group stages. I think, um, the model at five thirty eight, which is this really great statistical website run by Nate Silver. I don't know if you guys know it has them at 34% only to get out of the group stage, um, Wow, that's quite low. And yeah, and Croatia is actually the favorite to get out. Eighty-three percent. Argentina sixty-eight mm-hmm. percent. Um, wow. So that they're still distinctly an underdog, right? But if they can pull that off against Argentina, and I don't, and we talked about how that wasn't a fluke. Um, yeah. One thing that I didn't mention was that they had double the XG of Argentina at halftime. So it was wow. one point one to like zero point five. Yeah, and Argentina just chipped away at it with like yeah. pot shots from far away, and that's how they got their numbers up. Mm -hmm. um but iceland just time and time again kind of like mexico actually were getting in and creating very dangerous chances in that first half um and i could see them you know they beat croatia in the group in the qualification and they could easily do something against nigeria who are the weakest team in that group and all of a sudden you're looking at getting out of the group stage when maybe argentina doesn't or croatia doesn't right
1: next game is croatia argentina and iceland nigeria Iceland will have Croatia in their last game and Argentina with Nigeria, so not a foregone conclusion, of course, um, since it's such a such a low percentage. But I, I know exactly what you mean, even though you know, and Ian's maybe the same, even though we've got personal reasons to maybe not like Iceland. Even in that tournament, you couldn't they they endeared themselves to you, even when they were knocking out your own team.
2: No, yeah, by half time in England, Iceland, I was rooting for them. Fuck them. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> I, was, I was just like, you know if I I was that fucking disillusioned that it was like I had one of my best mates is Icelandic and I was just like, yeah, go for it. Yeah.
1: And it's it's nice to see and of course, you know, on every bit of commentary, them telling us that it's a country with just three hundred thousand people in it. <laughs> oh and... that's
2: that never gets old, does it? Oh,
1: it never gets old. No, no. Oh, they're the smallest country to ever be in the World Cup. Oh, do you know how small they are? Like, Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, you can actually fit the entire population of Iceland in one Volkswagen. I don't know if you guys heard that. <laughs> one Volkswagen, yes.
1: I mean, like, they could talk about something else. Like, why are they not
2: mentioning like Bjork or or some shit? Like, again, I I I've got an Icelandic mate and he is a listener. So let's just let's just make sure we're not hitting only the Icelandic tropes of Bjork. <laughs> Putrid shark. Uh, Anything else? Glaciers. Small country. Rain. Um,
1: <laughs> ice. Sigur Uh, yeah, Sigur and that volcano. Was that Iceland?
0: <laughs> was it?
1: Yeah, I have no idea.
2: of course. Yeah, no, yeah, they 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 ground they as if Icelandic people. They mean. they did <laughs> the swines. <laughs> <laughs> they had a they had a volcano that um the ash cloud grounded planes for it was days, wasn't it? Like a good few years ago now. Because it's one of my my favorite bits from i used to work on soccer am and uh, they had an assistant producer called ash and uh, they got him to come out in a in a bin bag that was all just ripped up with a couple of bags from iceland and he was volcanic ash from iceland <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was like my favorite character <laughs> from the whole time came out twice over that week <laughs> and i was just That's like great. when do we bring volcanic ash back <laughs> <laughs> brilliant favourite thing. thing. but you guys called it in the preview this group is wide open it it really is isn't it
1: yeah group d and group h as we learned well today um as we're recording um us two groups that thankfully we got it right uh in that it could just be open and crazy and anything could happen you know yeah, that's about Japan, the only thing
0: we got right
2: um, no. I said England were going to win. I'm going to go back through my awful predictions later, because yeah. I was proved wrong on <laughs> practically everything. Yeah.
1: What about you, Chuck? What's your surrogate team? It's kind of Japan now, I
2: think. Um,
1: just from seeing the way they played today and, and being as how they were, you know, even when we were looking at Group H as being a wide-open group, um, they were just not the clear favourites at all. Um... to to go through and just for them to get obviously you know i wouldn't call it luck against colombia um because if if you block a a open goal with your hand uh in the third minute you deserve to be sent off and then colombia did still play very very well um but just yeah the way japan play and they, they play with like such passion especially for like such an aging team um you just think that after this such an asian team no, didn't say that. Didn't say that. The they are, yeah, technically an Asian team. It's a team. fact. It's Is... fine. It's fine. Okay. Right. Okay. Cool. Uh, we don't need to call <laughs> anyone on that note. Okay. Great. Uh, so for such an aging Asian team, um, you wonder if this will be the the last uh, one of the last World Cups for them, because they've they've not really had as strong of a group coming through. Obviously, we mentioned last time with uh, Kazuki Honda um okazaki and um shinji kagawa shinji kagawa thank you very much and yeah i just i just like them out of that group now which is weird because my two two picks from that group the one thing i did get wrong was Colombia and poland and now with senegal winning and japan winning it's that's just got even more exciting
0: yeah right now japan are the favorites to go through they're uh 70% likely to get out um senegal are second with 61 percent poland has dropped all the way down to 26 percent to get out of that group stage which is dangerously low um
1: colombia as far
0: as japan colombia was
1: 40 percent 40 okay
0: yeah so that's that's not that far behind senegal um
1: no that's obviously just because colombia are favorites against poland i guess
0: yeah yeah must be um and then also against senegal so they can win both of those yeah um but one other thing in favor of japan is that they have i think the best team name the blue samurai
1: yeah it's really really cool yeah i like that um yeah it's just it's just nice in those teams um that i i get exactly why you've picked iceland and and you know similar reasons why i picked japan you know nations that apart from you know hosting with Japan's case like haven't really done a hell of a lot uh, in international football um and just for them to get that result today on the first game and see how much it means to them it just it just gets you excited um there's a few other ones that would be a shame if they go um or you know you want to go through Serbia um I kind of want to go through um then Peru it'll be a shame if they go out which it could be really Um, realistic considering they've got France in their next game. Um, I think that will be a shame, especially given all the kind of stuff around them with people, you know, selling their cars and quitting their jobs to to get over to Russia uh, from Peru. Um, Just like little Paddington bear um, with their marmalade sandwiches and their heads full (laughs) of dreams. Um, But yeah, so it's it's great to see that, that kind of so open and and still you know after one game potentially we're gonna we're gonna lose some big teams out of there you know last world cup it was spain england and italy uh the group stages so who knows it could in some weird crazy world it could end up being germany and brazil that go out
0: oh yeah that's not unthinkable
1: no and um i wouldn't be surprised as well given how their results go if there ends up being tactical playing, and if they are have the option of finishing first or second, that they both try and finish second, um, because they they'll play each other.
0: Yeah, that's going to be an interesting last day for those two teams.
1: So if that's the teams that have kind of caught your eye, how about individual players? You know, there's always someone who gets themselves uh, that big transfer or a, or an extra naught on the end of their their transfer fee uh, come the end of the World Cup. Um, usually Chelsea that are paying over the odds. But uh, <laughs> who's who's caught your eye, Oscar? Who do you think?
0: Uh, for me, in a losing performance, actually, but I'm going to say the South Korean goalkeeper, um, Chu Hyun-woo. Tilda Swinton, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, she was great in uh, Doctor Strange. I think he played really, really well. And I think there's a lot of teams that are going to be in the market for a goalkeeper this summer.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know how in the market you can be for a goalkeeper whose team has fin- is currently bottom of their league. Um, teams are very dumb. <laughs> and so, you know, a couple of
0: performances at the World Cup, I mean, that's what we were talking about in the preview, right? Like, not guys who are actually good transfer targets, but guys who have a couple of good performances, someone overpays for them, and then they disappoint.
1: In which case, I completely retract my point. Um, he is the perfect <laughs> example of that considering he plays for Daegu who are currently bottom of the K-League and have won one game in 14 and conceded 26 goals
0: yeah, although to be able to pull out that performance with Sweden spying on <laughs> South Korea
1: practice <laughs> Jesus can we Christ, talk about that fucking Ikea gate oh my god <laughs> uh, for those of you that
0: don't know what we're talking about um, at practice South Korea changed their jerseys so that all the players were wearing someone else's jersey because, and I quote the manager, Westerners can't tell Asians apart. Yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> and the reason that they felt the need to do that is because Sweden, there was a scout who rented a house near yeah. where Korea practiced. Yeah, Drove up a mountain with like a giant telescope and a super camera and filmed and spied on... The South Korean practice.
1: Yeah, this was after they'd done all the number changes and stuff like that. Like they were changed. It wasn't just that they changed the numbers from what they normally were. They changed them every session. It's like crazy. Who'd have, who'd have thought it was the Swedes spying on the Koreans? Like I'd have thought it'd have been the other way around.
0: Yeah, it's really fishy behavior from the Swedes there.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Swedish fish joke for you guys.
1: Really <laughs> meatballs that one up, Oscar. <laughs> oh, there we go um chuck who's your player um so far i think kind of number one for me is um gonovan gonovan for russia um having such a great game um obviously at the minute you know it's i haven't been following the game but it's still russia and egypt nil nil um but opening day russia really not heavily uh backed for this tournament whatsoever you know they well, the, the opening game were the two lowest ranked sides um, in the whole competition. And just to turn it on like that, score a wonderful free kick as well, I, th- I think he can, he, he, there's a chance he'll get drawn in somewhere. I think he's been linked, um, albeit in the red top dog shit newspapers. He's been linked with Arsenal and apparently Chelsea.
0: Yep, I was going to say, speaking of players who Chelsea are <laughs> likely to overpay for in a World Cup summer. Yeah, those rumors came out like the day after that performance. Ooh,
1: can I just interrupt you that Russia have just
2: scored.
0: Oh, who scored? Was it Gullivan? Because that would be the most appropriate thing ever.
2: Egyptian own goal. Egyptian oh. own
1: goal. Really? Egyptian own goal?
2: Yeah, own goals at the minute
1: going for the golden boot. That is horrible. Yeah, that's mental, eh? The amount of own goals there have been. It's not just me that thinks that. I heard something earlier where just under, before the Poland-Senegal game, I think it was 57% of the goals have come from set pieces. Um, and now with this one, I think that's four or five own goals so far as well. So those are the goals that have been scored from open play. Crazy.
0: Yeah, it's been a crazy World Cup as far as like, there's been no scoreless games, but there's also been a lot of almost boring games in terms of open play. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's certainly compared to like 2014 was the most insane group stage. Yeah. In terms of goal it was the most goals I think scored in the group stage ever, or certainly since eighty six. And then also um big teams going out like Spain and the group of death and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah, I think so. Stimmers, do we have any questions this week?
2: Uh yeah, we have had some questions from listeners today. Thanks for getting in touch. So um it's at Miles Offside Pod on Twitter. It's Miles Offside Pod on Facebook as well, and uh if you want to email us, it's milesoffsidepod at gmail dot com. Uh, yeah, we have had some interaction. It's been good. So our friend, Dave Mateo, who uh, is Oscar's stat man. Yes, um, very much so. He's, he's the man, isn't he? Dave <laughs> <So> Stateo. <we'll... laughs> it's good. <laughs> so he's he's gone light, but uh, I like it. What's the best snack for watching games? So Dave's an Australian. And uh, the the games are on late for him, and it's winter, so he's he's going for a oh hot God. chocolate. He's, and we we know what Dave looks like. Can you just picture that with his sort of nice fluffy dressing gowns? <laughs> it was,
1: yeah, big, big beard. beard.
2: Yeah. Oh, I think that'd be lovely.
1: Yeah, that's that's surreal actually to think that. Yeah, I've never tweaked yeah. that. Obviously, summer World Cup
2: is winter <laughs> yeah. in Australia, which means and also was the time difference. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm banging out pork scratchings and cider, and there's Dave topped up with his nice little hot chocolate and whipped cream. I mean, it's, it's a lovely image.
0: Well, if if he's already got the hot chocolate out, I think what for me what would go well with that is a chocolate covered popcorn. I think that's a nice okay. uh, salty sweet combination. goes well with hot chocolate. What about you, Chuck?
1: I do go for Doritos a lot, but I do like ah. Uh, I tell you what is good. It's a Lithuanian fried bread that gets made so you use rye bread you fry it make it all crispy and then you serve it with like a garlic cheese dip
0: yeah so if you hear that Dave just get some Lithuanian bread and fry it up and we are really <laughs> all yeah. good to go and you'll find it
2: really easy in yeah. Australia go because... to your local Lithuanian shop in Australia
1: um, uh. I mean you say that I think there's a big Croatian emigration to Australia yeah I so those are the so. same thing right I'm literally just basing <laughs> that off Mille Jedine that's it <laughs> With another football link right there, because he's Croatian. at least
0: one Croatian guy in Australia.
1: Yeah, but he's not in... Ah, uh, uh, he's not there at the minute, so you probably won't be able to get it. <laughs> go around his house, Dave. Yeah. He'll
0: have some of that good <laughs> Lithuanian bread.
1: <laughs> there we go. The Croatian-Australian. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's my that's my favourite. This is a good one, because this, this allows me to address some of the predictions I made in the preview, which I've never claimed to be a footballing expert, but... <laughs> My predictions, well, the question is that uh, from Mike McGibney is that Ronaldo, we didn't mention Ronaldo for the Golden Boot. We didn't. Now, we didn't. But that it does allow me to go on to my predictions because I predicted Neymar for the Golden Boot. Apparently, he's limped out of training. Has anyone seen that?
0: Yeah, yeah I saw that. And it's the same ankle that he had already injured yeah, that kept apparently. him out for months. So, yeah, not a good sign.
2: I also said Belgium would underperform. So that's going well, well and I don't know. Uh, they weren't that convincing in that game, I know, but out of the t- out of the main teams, I mean they're the they're the only one who have had a, a, a you know a a decent goal line victory anyway, let's say that yeah. yeah they had a big victory, yeah, and I also said that Poland would uh, be my dark horses, so it's all it's all going very well for me, so I'm getting <laughs> in there before anyone on Twitter does. I'm but, not even gonna look yes. at mine <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably a good decision. But why Nick did Trew, we not mention Mitch. Ronaldo? Now, is this because he's just not in the team that he's in for club football? He scores all the time. So why, why did we not discuss him for the Golden Boot? Why, why was he not generally in conversation for the Golden Boot?
0: Clearly, Ronaldo by himself can create chances and score on even the best teams, even against Spain. So, you know, to discount him was probably stupid. Um, but it was more of a team thing, like you mentioned, more of a Portugal thing than a Ronaldo thing. Um, yeah. And I guess I under, underestimated his ability to to create by himself, which he very much did against Spain. Yeah.
2: I mean, we've not mentioned that game. That was something else, wasn't
1: it? Uh, Fucking mental, yes. And Ronaldo just in this crazy form where, even though he's, what, 33, 34? And just absolutely blitzing all the Spanish players for pace on counterattacks. It's unbelievable to watch.
0: Yeah, I mean, looking through my notes before the podcast, I think I had, like, a full paragraph about Germany-Mexico, a full paragraph about the England match, a whole lot written down about Belgium. And then for Spain-Portugal, it was literally just question mark, question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> like, what can you well, even say yeah. about a match that insane? It was just amazing to watch. Both teams, the goals were beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, Ronaldo had an all-time performance. Spain had a great performance as a team. Um, Diego Costa doing his Diego Costa thing, elbowing Pepe in the head, dribbling around two defenders in a scrappy way, and then tucking it into the bottom corner. Like That's the most Diego Costa goal that you can score. Pretty much. Um, Oh, God, I miss him on Chelsea. (laughs) (laughs) We have no good strikers.
1: That was kind of the the one thing I did want to bring up and see what you guys thought, is why the fuck did they take Costa off? If, If you've got someone like him who was clearly getting so much damage and getting in the right positions... And he's on two goals and you want to win. Why did they take him off? Why would you when it's clearly... Because at that point, I think it was two all. And you got Ronaldo on two. You got Costa on two. Like, let him fight it out. I did like the... Obviously, PK's face once the the free kick was given right at the end for Ronaldo. Um, Just really didn't want it to be a free kick because he knew what was going to happen and ronaldo from the second
2: he stepped up and stood there you
1: Definitely. were just
2: watching it you're like he's scoring
1: like, yeah
2: i mean there's been a few there's been a few issues with the host broadcaster but that shot of his face and you were just like he was so focused before mm-hmm. that free kick and you were just like this is going in this is job done you know and yeah, it's, it, it was, was his
0: one in, like, 70, too, because he's horrible at free kicks That's historically.
2: That's true, yeah, that is true, yeah. Like,
0: everybody in FIFA, he's, like, a 90 for free kicks, and he's always, like, the cover of the yeah. game, <laughs> but in reality, like, he just takes every free kick because he's Ronaldo and no one can say no, Yeah. Exactly. but he just yeah. misses and misses and misses and misses. Yeah, totally. But this yeah, was his yeah. one, and it was inch perfect. It was beautiful.
2: Yeah. It's just not very often you're watching a game, and you you know you're watching a classic.
0: And I, I watched that one as it's meant to be watched which is to say in the passenger seat of a car on my phone, because we were on our way up to a wedding. (laughs) And I was like, hey, Ah, wife, can you drive? Uh, Because I want to watch this important match. (laughs) So I'm sitting in the passenger seat going, whoa, whoa, whoa. And she's like, are we going to crash? Like, you keep distracting me. This is really dangerous.
1: What's happening? Ah. But yeah, so, I mean, to go back to the original question, the reason it didn't, probably talk about Ronaldo was because he doubled the number of goals he scored in World Cups in that game he's only scored three goals before in in all of his World Cups and he's played that was his fourth World Cup for
0: yeah because he played in 06
1: yeah so he's, I remember you know, um, eight major tournaments Wayne and Rooney only stepped on him
0: goals. yeah all I remember is Wayne Rooney stepping on Ronaldo in 06 and they were Manchester United teammates Um, And then Rooney got him sent off, or Ronaldo got him sent off, and then he winked at the camera. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. Yeah. hate that guy. Yeah,
2: hated him. Next question. I like this one. So Johnny OGs sent us a question, saying, "Are there any performances that have altered our view of how teams will do?" Um. Well. I will say right
1: now that this one for Russia, because they've just gone 2-0 up against Egypt. Oh, really? And that guy, Cherry Chef, has just scored again.
0: Yay, he's (laughs) on my fantasy team. Let's go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I nearly brought him in today, you bastard.
0: Yeah, I did a wild card because my first round was terrible. Uh, I'm going to go Mexico. I'm going to go Mexico. I didn't think that they were that strong, and I'm inclined to hate them because I'm American. (laughs) <laughs> and they are our bitter rival in CONCACAF. Um, but they performed spectacularly. Um, that young winger, Irving Lozano, I think is going to be a real force to mm-hmm. reckon with at this World Cup. Um, he's super fast. And even though he kept trying to cut back, I think once he gets, cause he's, he's really young. He's only 22. Um, if he can start making better decisions, I think he can really be someone that is going to make a name for himself. Reminds me of a bit of a younger Mo Salah when he didn't quite know how to make the best of his talents. And and Mexico just blew me away with how good they were, as angry as it made me against Germany.
1: Exact same fixture for me, kind of, with Germany. Um, I just worry if they can't, if they're not going to adapt to a game and see blatantly what is happening to someone, that someone such as myself can see um, where their weaknesses are then I just wonder, are they going to stay as arrogant for the next game?
0: No, they're going to change the lineup. They have to change the lineup for the next match. Yeah. I, I, I'd be so surprised if Goretzka or uh, Guidoan doesn't play, like you mentioned.
1: Oh, my dear God. Cherishev's just scored again. Ooh, oh, my let's go. word. He's on. So the question He's before of why f- we didn't consider goals, Ronaldo right. for the golden boot, why didn't we consider <laughs> Denis Cherishev? <laughs>
0: Uh, he's clearly going to get a transfer this summer.
1: <laughs> Abramovich so... is on the phone.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's Russian, so he doesn't even have to, like... He probably already owns him.
1: And Mo is crying. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh... Oh, no, it was Juba. It was just that Denis Cheryshev was celebrating so much running around. I think the camera just panned on him after the goal went in. But, yeah, it was Artem Juba.
0: To bring it back to Brazil, I don't really actually worry about them. I don't think I would change my... Outlook, even though Neymar's out, Um, we mentioned this during the preview pods. I think that they're just as good, which is insane to say, I know, but they're just as good without him because they have so much talent and they did adapt really well to playing without him, um, that they look just as impressive. I mean, they have uh, Firm Bobby, they got Coutinho, they got Willian, uh, Marcelo bombing down the left. Like They just have so many guys that I'm not overly worried about them.
1: Yeah, Paulinho, who's all of a sudden become good. Gabriel Jesus, Casemiro.
0: Casemiro is so good. Yeah. Oh, he's one I'd love to see at Chelsea. I want everyone at Chelsea. You know what? Can we just <laughs> like just buy the whole World Cup?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Worked for the Premier League. Yeah. Um, so-, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, are we putting it all down to opening night jitters? Or, I mean, Chuck, you said you're worried for Germany. But is, is it just opening night jitters? Everything will settle down once we've seen some more games. What You know, what are we thinking? I mean, we've said Argentina are possibly in trouble because that group. Well, but... but Argentina, I never, hasn't really
1: changed my opinion of them because I didn't expect yeah. anything more than that. Um, you know, that result against Iceland, you see that and you think, yeah, OK, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, Argentina, who I believe uh, i've actually made a bet with someone that they won't reach the quarterfinals, which is good because it's looking more like it now <laughs> um germany i don't know if i'm worried or i'm actually kind of excited to see what happens um just because i think what if they don't change this or what if they then get uh, a bad result against sweden no if germany lose then they're out yeah. they're out
0: yeah if germany lose they're out I think at this point you're looking at Germany to try to get second place.
1: Yeah, which means if Brazil don't if Brazil get first place, round of 16 Brazil Germany.
0: Yeah, but Brazil doesn't want Germany as much as Germany doesn't want Brazil.
1: True. It's yeah, but I I, I don't put it down it, to I, opening night jitters at all. No.
0: Um because I think that they I put it down to the coach. I think he got the tactics wrong and he got the lineup wrong, and I think the way he's getting just destroyed yeah. uh in the press and by his own players um they're not going to make that mistake again so i i honestly i'm not overly worried about germany despite that loss whereas argentina we said you know can they do it can they not with that attacking line and they really struggled to create chances to create quality chances especially um even with messi and aguero in there so i i definitely am more worried about argentina than i am about about germany
1: yeah if if we do end up with germany brazil in around a 16. Um, I do think it's a much more exciting fixture than if they meet in the final or the semi-final, Because I think at round of 16, everyone's still just going for it. Um, whereas sometimes you can see in semifinals or finals, obviously not like the last time they played each other in a semifinal. Um, but teams can get a little bit tentative, play a bit more defensive and a bit more careful. Um, and I think if that game happens in the round of 16, that will be a humdinger.
0: Yeah, I think Germany were being really conservative the last time they played, only scoring seven. Just kind of taking <laughs> taking it easy on Brazil, they easily could have... Like, if they were really trying, then, you know, they're... they're Throwing playing... some shade there. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's all
1: I have. Do you have any more questions, Ian?
2: Yeah, well, I've got one, which um, I enjoyed, because we when we started this, we said we weren't just going to be a football podcast, and yeah. we've sort of been taken over by the World Cup a little bit, which is understandable. Yeah, of course. Because there's so many games, and it's so fun. But... Um, <laughs> So, Evan Brady, how do you cook your steak and what cut? Now, Ooh. I mean, Chuck, Chuck, you work in hospitality, so I know you're going to have some strong views on this. <laughs> well, one. yeah, I was going to say, why don't you guys go
1: first and then I'll tell you the right answer.
2: <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> so, I mean, Oscar, have you got anything prepared or do you need to think about this? Cause, I mean, no, I've no, I'm,
1: I'm always ready to
0: go with that question. That's, I think, <laughs> I spend my entire life thinking about food.
1: He guts the meat.
2: I have the
0: meat. There go, you go. Go then, Oscar. Um, I mean, there's. if you're not eating your steak medium rare, then you're a heathen and I don't even want to talk to you ever again. Like, I don't want to know you. Um, medium mm-hmm. rare, skirt steak.
2: Skirt steak. cakes.
0: Right, okay. Yeah, I love a skirt steak. Very tender.
2: Right, now, see, this feels, I mean, Chuck immediately said yes, but like a skirt steak feels like an Americanism to me. What's that?
0: I don't know. It's one of the cuts. It's near the bottom. If you look at a diagram. Okay. Um, It's very, very thin. I
2: may be embarrassing myself. Very, there, very so tender. I to...
0: They're not widely available. Like, it's not a super popular cut, but I do love it. But I can't stand someone who cooks their meat uh, oh, too well much. Well done. Like, it's if not you're... an option, yeah? No, it's disgusting.
2: It's disgusting. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, um, you know
2: I mean, I-, I knew we would all be in agreement there.
0: Yeah. I mean, Mom, I love you and thanks for listening, but they eat their steaks well done. And I think it's <laughs> like... Um, <laughs> It's a very Guatemalan (laughs) thing, and it's the thing that I dislike the most about my family, both her and my dad, when they eat steak. That's the thing you
2: dislike most about your family? Oh yeah,
0: 100%, the way they cook steaks. Like, if I'm going over to my parents' house for a summer barbecue, like, my brother and I absolutely shove my dad off the grill and do not let him cook the meats, (laughs) because otherwise we're basically just eating charcoal, and it is disgusting.
1: (laughs) Yeah, my my sister has that with, like, burgers and, and stuff on barbecues, like... Literally, it's got to be so well done. You're able to draw
2: with it. Like, (laughs) it's so weird. Ian, what are you saying on steaks? Okay, so the cut's ribeye. It's got to be ribeye. Mm. Okay. And like most people aren't going to afford fillet for like all the time. So ribeye is affordable. You can do ribeye. Right. Hot pan. Super hot pan. Super hot pan. Okay. bit of oil. But then as soon as the steak's gone in, you're talking crushed garlic clove, sprig of rosemary, right? Okay, bung it mm, in. Accepted. Bit of butter as well. Yes. Then you're basting the basting the steak with the butter, right? So it's got, you've got garlic, you've got rosemary, you're basting the steak with the butter. Chuck, you're enjoying this. I like I'm it. In, I'm in so, salivating. Right. <laughs> yeah, I love when you talk seconds. dirty <laughs> to me,
0: Ian. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is your chikorito moment, mate. Yeah, exactly. So like, 90 seconds maximum, you turn it over. So you're doing the same thing again, 90 seconds maximum. You take it off. Now let's talk about the sauce. Let's talk about the sauce, right? <laughs> so, so now you're putting you're putting a glug of port in that pan. You're deglazing that pan with port. It's bubbling. It's reducing. You're smelling that port. It's good. Now you're putting some double cream in, right? Now you're breaking up some blue cheese. Any blue cheese. It's fine. Ooh. Whatever you like. But I like Stilton, but, you know, British, whatever. So you're chucking the blue <laughs> cheese in. That's all melting. This is fucking heart disease in a jug, right? <laughs> but I'm going to get gout by the time I'm 35 if it kills me. <laughs> that is how you do steak. Chuck, talk to me.
0: I think before Chuck jumps in, that is by far the most we've ever heard Ian talk. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, football, man, I'll pass. I don't need to, I don't have any opinions. Yeah. Start yeah. talking about steak and it's five minute rant about the right way to cook this thing.
1: So all four, the deglazing the pan... The method, the preparation, all for it. Love it. That is that is how you should cook a steak. Um, however, oh, what I do find, so kind of based on what you both kind of said, is that I always used to be like medium rare or rare or like that's it. But the higher the fat content of the steak, the more you need to cut it. The more you need to cook it, sorry. Because okay. with something like a ribeye or a rump where you've got some more like big, uh veins of of fat going uh, through it you want to kick it to about medium yeah rump is i think rump is the most underrated cut of steak there is because it's got so much flavor fillet is massively overrated because it's expensive and it doesn't really have that much flavor people just get it for this texture where it's like oh melt in your mouth it's like no i want to actually taste it and (laughs) obviously unlike american meat for for you oscar i think a lot of british steaks and british beef doesn't have that great of a flavor Um, especially compared to the US or some places I've had in like Eastern Europe or whatever. So I think fillets, obviously, because there's no fat, you can cook that rare, but same kind of thing. Make sure you you have to sear it quite well in a really, really hot pan and baste as well um, so that you you actually get some more flavor into it from the char. And then something like a sirloin, you can go for medium rare. Um, I like to basically score the rind on the sirloin. So yep. you almost create like steak crackling, um, and that's the first thing that you, you ho- sides you hold down into the pan, so all of the fat from from the steak comes out that way. You get a nice crispy rind on it and it also helps to flavor the rest of the steak. Um, but I will definitely be trying that port double cream uh-huh. blue cheese heart attack. Yep. Yeah.
0: I keep it simple with my steaks. Just give me a piping hot cast iron pan. Sear it on both sides. For about ninety seconds, like you said, simmers. But just salt. Salt and oil.
1: Yeah, you gotta leave it for a little while. Oil, oil on there, salt and pepper. Let the steak bloom. Yeah. I do like a bernaise.
2: Bernays is, is Yeah? It's well up there, yeah. I mean that's been my favourite ten minutes of the podcast. Yep. <laughs> yep, there we go. <laughs> well, now I'm I'm pretty
1: hungry now after all that talk about steak. Um <laughs> <laughs> But do we do we have any more questions,
2: Ian? No, I think that's it. But, I mean, we're very keen to hear from people. So, uh, thanks to Dave Mateo, Mike McGivney, uh, Johnny OG and Evan for all those questions. Keep them coming in yeah. on uh, Twitter, Miles MilesOffSidePod on Twitter and Facebook and MilesOffSidePod at gmail.com. We're yeah. very keen to keep the interaction going. Especially about stuff that's not football. Cause, yeah, you know, we, 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 we should expand it a bit.
1: Yeah. I really enjoyed the steak chat. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you did. Um, all right, so obviously we're one quarter of the way through the World Cup, but there's a there's another round of matches, obviously one of which is going on right now, um, but are there any fixtures out of the 16, Oscar, that you're kind of looking forward to or you think really catch your eye?
0: So uh, if I'm picking just one, Chuck, I think I'm going to go with Argentina-Croatia. Yeah. Um, I think both of those teams are pushing to win that group and... Argentina are going to be very desperate to get a result given that they drew in the first match. Yep. Um Croatia can seal their prog- progress going through to the knockouts with a win, but Argentina obviously also need a win to stay alive. And so I think they're going to go at each other. Um I'm curious to see how Croatia handles an Argentina team that's going to go absolutely insane with attack. So uh, that's the one I've got my eye on. And that one is on Thursday
1: thursday ian how about yourself any games that have caught your eye
2: yeah i'm i mean you guys said about how group h was going to be and poland colombia looks like i mean both of those teams need to win now so that that game's going to be good they're going to be all out for it and yeah i'm really looking forward to that you were absolutely right with group h and that game's going to be a gold festival i think uh what about you chuck what are you looking forward to well, I'm kind of caught between two at the minute
1: and um, both for kind of similar reasons, if at different ends of the spectrum. Um, France, Peru, uh, just because, uh, you know, like we yeah. said before, um, because Peru kind of had a little bit of the kind of minnow kind of feel and, and a bit of dark horses for the competition in some way or, or, or another. And sadly, because of a performance where they should have got more against Denmark, this could be their, this game could see them out Um which you could believe against France. Um, The the other one, for similar kind of reasons, Germany-Sweden. Germany don't learn from their mistakes and change things up, as Oscar's predicted or is kind of hoping they do. They can go out, um, and that would just be absolutely mental. So definitely be be looking forward to those games. France-Peru is on Thursday, and uh, Germany-Sweden on Saturday.
0: Yep, I'm right there with you on France-Peru, too. I'd love to see france Really get it together, because I think they have so much potential. Um, and they didn't utilize N'Golo Kante as best they could um, to just patrol the center and give everyone else the opportunity to just bomb forward. I think they played too conserva-
1: too conservatively. Yeah, they did with Tolisso playing next to him rather than Matuidi.
0: Right. But they could kind of do um, what Senegal did, which was just have one strong central midfielder and then send everybody just flying down the wings and flying in behind. Um, So I'm very excited to see that France game. I'm right there with you on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Of course, there's so many other different reasons we can come up to, but we haven't got enough time for that. Um, But yeah, so far, so good with the World Cup, though, gents. It's been great, hasn't it?
0: Massively enjoying it. Fantastic.
1: So good. Uh, Even on days where there's four games where you just feel like, oh, I can't have any more, and you just manage to fit in. It's just so delicious. Yeah, please, sir.
0: I want some more. (laughs)
1: absolutely right well that about wraps it up for for us for episode three of miles offside thank you guys very very much for listening thanks to everyone for contributing as well with your questions um and thank you guys for listening subscribing sharing um giving us reviews on itunes we're now on uh, spotify as well um so, getting out there. Um, thank you very, very much, guys. So, uh, it's good night from myself and uh, say bye, Oscar. Adios. Adios. Say that again. Adios. Oh, de- decent. Stimson, give us your best Peterborough goodbye. See ya. <laughs> Brilliant. And so, that's all from us, guys. Thank you very much. Goodbye.